Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Disaster Girls. It is I, your co-host, Jordan Cruciola. And it's me, Amanda Smith. And uh, we are blessed once again to be emerging from 10,000 BC to discuss oh La Brea. As I watched this, the, these two episodes, I just had this moment of just like warmth, like a blanket wrapped around me. Um, and I was so grateful to be back. Yeah. Every time. Every time. I'm every happy. time. Every time. The um, only show where, hey, it's getting foggy becomes a full plot point. I love that it's like, I, it's like, guys, this is this is fog. Mm-hmm. Like I, Gavin's like expert knowledge of 10,000 BC fog was like, it's fog. It is. Yeah. It, it, it's it's it apparently similar through the ages. I don't think any sort of insider tip is really giving us anything on this. You guys, yeah. I remember this fog <laughs> as a kid. It's like, oh, you remember, <laughs> I remember fog too, Gavin here yeah. in yeah. 21st century. It's May. It's May Gray, Gavin. It's June Gloom. <laughs> yeah, you're in Los Angeles. Yeah, the Gavin, fog is set in. We know what that. It happens today. Now, yeah. The, this episode, these episodes, really revealed how conducive the kind of the style of writing on La Brea is to um, an annoying teenager. Because like everything Izzy was saying and doing was such a real annoying teen, mm-hmm. and it was also just La Brea writing. Like everything is all her bad timing, all her, all her like self-centeredness, all her feelings, all of it was, was like, yeah, this is absolutely what a pissed off 16 year old would do. But I'm not saying that is in a a context, accomplishment in the context of the show. It just fits like hand in glove. Yeah. It's so the major point of conflict for Izzy through like episodes four and five is basically that Izzy wants to do stuff and Eve keeps saying, no, you should not do anything. It's dangerous here. And Izzy and then Izzy reacts and is like, well, are you just saying that because of my leg? Yeah. And what I want to I independent of the of the fact that, yes, she probably like you probably should be a little more cautious because, again, you don't have a backup. Uh, yeah, you don't prosthesis. have a backup prosthesis. Yeah. If we had like an unlimited supply of things for yeah. you to do maintenance that you need to do, that would be a different conversation. But we're kind of like, we're working with the only thing we have for you. Yeah. And when it goes bad, as we saw in the previous episodes, it's like it, it immobilizes you. It's it's extremely painful for you. Yeah. But like independent of that aspect, when she, you know, is this about my leg? And it's like, and and when, when Eve says, Izzy, this isn't about your leg. Is that not a line from Grey's Anatomy? (laughs) Everything. The show's been on for 20 years. Everything is a line about (laughs) from Grey's Anatomy. (laughs) Who's the one who lost the leg in Grey's Anatomy? Wasn't there a plane crash? I Uh, only know this from being Yeah, that would have been Arizona. Arizona. uh, Angela Watercutter told me about this one time that there was... Uh, there's like there's the plane crash and there's yeah. an eventual amputation yes and then there's like a fight between arizona and i think like her wife or girlfriend or something yeah. and one of them says it's always about the leg yeah. this was recounted to me so when i heard this i was like wow i'm immediately thinking of this story i know about gray's anatomy well yeah, it, yeah. gray's anatomy which a show where everyone just yells the subtext um yeah and yeah. i say that with love it's yeah one of my which is, i love la brea so gray's Anat- yeah amazing but, with but with Izzy, it's like this is actually you know what in this case, Izzy, I I will say it actually has nothing to do with it because of the fact that she was yelling all the same things at your brother. It's just like the conversations yeah. with Izzy are cut and paste directly from conversations with Josh that she's had. Yes, so it's like no, it's okay, it's cool, Izzy. Actually, as an un as a uh, what's the word I want? Like 
as a third party observer, I can guarantee yeah. Izzy. It actually, in this case, has nothing to do with your leg or no. your gender, which would have been the second go to. In fact, it is just these are the default things Eve says to her children every time. Totally. Which, and again, perfect, yeah. perfect teen writing in this case. Yeah. Like, of, co- of course, it would be so evident. It would be yeah. so evident that like, oh, no, lamb, little lamb. There are there are millions of reasons. So many reasons that your mom shouldn't even start explaining why it's a bad idea that you go do this, that it, it's so self-evident. But of course, yeah, you will be unwilling and unable as a 16-year-old-ish to see that. So of yeah. course you would. Of course you'd be being like, this is because of my leg. And like you and mom and you and dad got divorced because of me. Like yeah. that was, oh. I was like total, yes, this vulnerable child. Like, yeah. and I love when she, I love in that confrontation between Eve and Izzy, when she's like, she's like, I, I know about dad's drinking. And in my head, it was like, wait, didn't everybody know about Gavin's drinking? Like, that's not, we're not going to have like a wait, you knew moment. I like, Izzy, I, I think everyone in the world knew about Gavin's drinking. It was kind of part of the problem of the drinking was yeah. that he was very publicly an alcoholic. And like, she's been spending all this time with dad. So she's super aligned with dad at this point. And like, obviously he's been vindicated for all the visions because it was all real. And so of course she's like, well, mom, you're not, you're like, you should give him a chance. It was like, this is real. This is real teen writing right now. Oh yeah. And because it's Izzy and so she's very likable, there's no sense of the terrible disaster teen of like Josh, who oh, every oh. time he opens his mouth to talk about how great his dad is, I'm like, <laughs> yeah. shut up, Josh. Shut up, Josh. No, you There's don't know what your dad's like. There, Zira Gorecki's like persona as yeah. Izzy is like, she's at once like, she's seen some shit. She has to deal with an, a, an ableness issue that like gives her a different perspective on this world. She's obviously solved government conspiracies at this point in her life at a tender age, but every single line is delivered with so much undergirding naivete. Yeah. It is like cons where it's like, you know, Izzy knows more than most kids and everything Izzy is experiencing is happening for the first time. It's like a baby. It's like watching a baby see something for the first time every time. It's that specific, it's it's the way that it's similar to like the early first few seasons of Pretty Little Liars, the Shay Mitchell's Emily, like Emily's signature, like confused face. It was like, Emily, we're three seasons deep. What's with the face? But it's just so Emily that you're like, of course, Emily's making that face right now. Yeah. Like everything's new. You blink and all of a sudden the world resets and you're back <laughs> exactly. to. Exactly. Yeah. And to a degree that is true of Izzy's life. She's in an unprecedented situation. But I feel like this also happened with Izzy yeah. in the cafeteria no. um, before bed. Like, I-, I feel like this happened to Izzy before the sinkhole that there was this like wide eyed like what? It, it, yeah. it's, it, and it makes the uh, shitty teenager very understandable, especially when she's like, you know, because mom finally got to come clean. It's finally I wish I wish someone in my head that my dream scenario is someone in the camp walks up to Izzy before her mom says anything. And is like, oh, I love your mom's boyfriend. And she's like, <laughs> boyfriend. She's like, yeah, that guy. She's obviously fucking we <laughs> like the guy we all understand to be her boyfriend. Levi and have Izzy be like what <laughs> but no Mom I'm so explained. glad that that didn't I'm glad that that didn't that she didn't have <laughs> for a her, I'm glad yeah or and for us that we didn't get like a sequence where she comes across Levi and her mom having a tender moment and then her mom must be like Izzy you don't understand and like I appreciate yeah. that all of this came from 
from Eve making the decision of like, look, I have to tell Izzy what's going on. Yeah. I have to tell her everything. And I need to make sure that she understands that this wasn't her fault. Yeah. And I, I loved like, how that played out. And like, I, I loved yeah. that it played out with honest emotion, but understanding. But then yeah. also it was like, like, wow, Izzy's handling this really well. But then also as the episodes go on, she also starts making her mom pay for it. Yeah. Like she's, she's holding on to anger. And she's like, side eye and mom, like, so this is what it's always going to be like now? Like, just pretending everything's okay? It was like, yeah, mm-hmm. you're not over it. That would have been moving at the speed of La Brea. But right now, and she could, all could be forgiven by the next episode. But all could, like, y- you are pissed off and you're putting it all on your mom. When it's like, oh, so you, oh, oh, you guys broke up because you had an affair. It's like, no, Izzy, I had an affair because the marriage was over. But of course, a child shouldn't be expected to understand that. Yeah. No, there's there's no world in which Izzy's going to grasp the, the complex no. dynamics of this. It's just Of not... the statement of when she says, like, when you love somebody, you should want to be with them. It's like, you're also too young to understand how much is absent from that thing you're saying right now. <laughs> yeah. You're like, yeah, no, love is actually not all there is. Yeah. There no, if so it, it's... many other circumstances and 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 fundamental aspects of consideration and compatibility and values and time i it's very sweet and so real that you would say this and you don't and you don't know how wrong you are and this is a moment where a parent could be like izzy when you're older and she could be like no and it would be like yeah that makes total sense too because you're a child yeah i i one of the things that they've done a really nice job of with eve is that they don't Eve's a good mom. Like Eve's I have a been, good mom. It is. It has been consistent that yes. Eve has not been a shitty mom through this, Mm-mm. and there has in in like ways that this could that they could have easily done it without intending to. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, you know what? That's that's perfect because it. I continue to root not just for Eve, but as a result, as much as I hate to say it, for both of her kids because of the fact that I'm like Eve's a good mom. This isn't. Could you imagine how much worse Josh would be if Eve wasn't such a good mom? Oh God! Josh sucks, and Eve's a great mom. If she was drug guy's mom, who's dead now, the cop lady. Oh yeah, Marie, Ava Marie, or whatever Anna Marie. I I don't remember. It doesn't matter. Yeah, if she. Oh yeah, if just yelling things at him and tough talking all the time. Awful. Yeah, like like hard boiled cop talk. Yeah, it's amazing. By the way, like we are we are getting completely the rebrand of. Veronica and I, not it's not Scott. I don't even know what his name is again. Yeah, I don't remember his name either. It is so that watching that's been the real La Brea thing to me. The past yeah. couple episodes is like fun and flirty Veronica with the bad boy. Yeah, the guy oh, with God. no mention again ever of his heroine. No, <laughs> heroin's gone. Oh, but Scott's dependencies is re, have resurfaced. Surfaced. Yeah. yeah. In La Brea episode, the in the episode block where he found a whole field of weed. Yeah. Um, and somehow, somehow seems to have managed to distill down those marijuana leaves into THC oil. No. No, no. What's in that vape? What's in his cartridge? That's just the remaining cartridge from 10 days ago when they found the sinkhole. That we haven't revisited. No. I thought he wasn't hitting it because it was empty. No, no, no. They just took that off the... Yeah. So that he could have his big moment in this episode where it finally runs out. So... Where it frames cocaine to be like like, like weed to be cocaine, basically. (laughs) Yeah, where he just like 
immediately starts jonesing in a way that he he gets like the shakes and shit. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it, like this at th- these two episodes become a dare commercial. Yeah. It, which was I knew like if you had said to me in the beginning of La Brea, what's going to happen? I would have been like, oh, by episode seven, Scott's going to become an unstable risk because his marijuana has run out. Yeah. I didn't think that it would have to take until episode risk. Yeah. Where they'd be like, we got to watch Scott. He is. He, yeah. We got to watch Scott. He's, he's, he's going through withdrawals. That's kind of what I was thinking we were going to get. Yeah. Um, instead in like 204 to, so in 204, Dr. Rebecca gets uh, mauled by wolves, which is just a statement you can just casually make with La Brea. Yeah. And then in 205, she dies and Scott's subplot for the episode is working through the trauma of Rebecca dying, of Dr. Of Dr. Aldridge dying. From one relates- of the least consequential wounds we have seen in La Brea. She did, Didn't she get yeah. stabbed in the abdomen the last time yes. she recovered in 20 minutes? Yeah, but what we learned last time from when Josh got mauled is that if you don't immediately treat that wound with some sort of like serious antiseptic, then it will immediately just become so toxic that he will die because dire wolves apparently have some sort of venom. Yeah, because she goes septic in like 15 minutes, apparently. Well, but they're also like, well, she's lost a lot of blood. It's like she has, in fact, not. Yeah, she hasn't at least... They chose Put a very... more blood on her. She and yeah. not even like when the wolf goes in on her. I was like, oh shit, that thing's tearing her throat out. And then yeah. it pulls away, and she has a sh- shoulder injury. It's a yeah. shoulder injury. And then, like we later hear as she's like going toward her death rattle, like she's lost a lot of blood when she has a totally isolated patch of blood just on her shoulder. Yeah, with no like arterial oh, spray. It's not none. like we're like, there's not like a ton of blood and then the small wound where you can be like, okay, it nicked an artery. She's lost yeah. all the blood, whatever. No, no, no. This is just, this is such a it TV. It's a, to bleed. It is a TV car accident. Injury. It is a TV car accident. Yeah. It's, I mean, like, she might as well have, like, one little small stitch on her forehead, and then they'll be like, she's got massive head trauma. It, it is, yeah. it was like, guys, I'm fine if this kills her, but that means Josh should be dead. Yeah. Like, that means she should have died the first time. Like, because, listen, I expect people to die fairly easily in this environment. You've made them very, you unparalyzed a man. Yeah. In one episode. And now- the shoulder injury took out Dr. Aldridge? Who's been stabbed. <laughs> Fuck off. Like, no. Yeah. Veronica survived being in a bear trap. Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, by this logic, Veronica should have been Veronica exsanguinated. Should be yeah. I mean, and okay, speaking of Veronica, uh, this problem of ours just I... getting worse. Like, Every time it comes up now, I know it sounds like more and more of a sex, sex enslavement cult. I know, it's like really, like every, it sounds like I, I'm hoping this is the last time, thing. I think because now that they they've nipped it, now that she's finally Veronica has come clean to Ella yeah. and been like, "I was the one who picked you out," which is kind of I think we had talked about that. Like she's for sure the one who like she was involved in her kidnapping. She wasn't just passive. Right. But when she's like, "You remember." I forget the abuser guy's name, but like when he would put Aaron. us in our room and I was like, fucking <sighs> shit, man. Yeah. Like we would pretend we were somewhere else. I was like, this is sucker punch. And then she's like, I have to like, she thinks they're about to die. The wolves are tearing into the bus. Thinks they're about to die. And she's like, I have to tell you, we kidnapped you because I saw you first. And I was like, get her. Yeah. Like, 
And then she she grabs her hands and is like, you were a victim too. I know it. And that is true. She was a victim too. Yeah. That is accurate. But it was just like, and because it's a La Brea, I think because they have bookended it, I think that does mean they will never speak about it again. Yeah. I, they will never speak about it again. But they have absolutely implied over and over and over again. That this, like, the horrors of what happened to these girls is of such a magnitude, we can't actually talk about it in this show because it's not that kind of show. But we can still hint at it aggressively. Yeah, I just... It's bad news. It's just not... I... This... They can't... They have to stop. I, I... I, I think I agree. I think this is the last we hear of it. I, think I we, really we think turned so. Turned the corner on Veronica. Veronica's gotten her "you're a victim too" moment. We don't like. I'm really thinking this is it. But also, when we went back into it, and I was just like, I God, I just don't want us. This is La Brea. You are not equipped. You're not equipped. You're not equipped, La Brea. Don't it's- say Tongva. Don't bring. It's this. I have this. I have a rule about the Saw movies. Okay. Um, which is that the violence is great. The violence is fun. Go nuts. The instant you bring sexual violence into it, you have broken the contract. Yeah. You have broken my trust. You can get away with damn near anything else as long as you let me know I'm safe in this house to where we're not going to cross a line into from cartoon violence into very real traumatizing sadistic sexually violating scenarios and that is why i'm pretty sure it's six that is why saw six is the worst saw because there is one and it's not even a long and it's not even like an in-person it's it's a videotape but like it's a guy who puts a tape in a video or starts playing something on a tv and it's clearly a rape dungeon and it was like even those were like you're not even seeing the act of it happen even the fact of like you brought this into the conversation, this movie's canceled. Like I yeah. don't forgive you. This is having far too much fun, specifically with the suffering of women localized. Um, yeah. on on like what it looks like to watch a woman be a uh, terrorized versus general saw, where it's like, yeah, you know what's crazy? Reverse bear trap. You yeah. know what's icky? Throwing somebody in a pit of used syringes. Gross. Yeah, throwing somebody yeah. in a brazing bull. Like. You, you crazy for that one, Saw. But like, right. and that is where it's, La Brea, it's a similar con. You can get away with literally anything. Yeah. You cannot bring sexual violence into this show. Yeah. Even yeah. hint at it to me. Yeah. No. I, I, I'm right there with you. I 100% agree. And that's why that has always been like the thing that we've both been on tender mm-hmm. hooks about of just like, can we not, can we move on? There's yeah. so much else that you guys have written off. Can we just write this off? <laughs> write it can off. We just ignore this and pretend it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I, I was, I think I was relieved that I feel like we might just be moving on completely from it. And Veronica has worked through her trauma to the point where now she yeah. can flirt with the, you know, heroin dealer and yeah because <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah it's just i i love the fact that we can as we're talking about it like the focus of that conversation isn't as the wolves are digging into a bus <laughs> yeah because that is what happens in this episode the fog yeah. sets in and the wolves attack and well actually first para's village att- like a subset of para's village yeah. attacks um people are going rogue in the yeah. communities 
and because they're so Para's got so some of Para's villagers are attacking to get retribution for stealing the food. Yeah. And uh, of course, despite the fact that you have Levi, who's military, you've got mm-hmm. Gavin, who's military, and then you've got uh, Dr. Dad, who's military. Eve yeah. is the one who comes up with the brilliant decoy plan of what if we set up a bunch of stuffed humans around a bonfire and then we sneak attack them. I, I was so worried that La Brea Logic was going to come into this because when they were like, get a bunch of clothes and mm-hmm. make the fire huge. In my, I was saying to myself, I was like, don't burn your clothes. Right. You are going to need your clothes. No, and no, no. Thank God. That, didn't, that is not what the plan was. Yeah. The plan was somehow stupider, but also more effective, which <laughs> yeah. was to then create stuffed straw mannequins around yeah. the fire. Because obviously with the fog yeah. that, you know, incapacitated everybody, they wouldn't <laughs> know. They would just think that those were actual people sitting there because because apparently Pyro's villagers are also easily confused by scarecrows. Um, My great hope and and these, you know, <clears throat> yeah. I would say so far, but it's only been like two episodes since we've got all the men around Eve. Um, I and I, I do trust La Brea with this. I just don't trust yeah. things generally, but I do trust La Brea with this because Para is the leader of the the local village yeah eve is ostensibly the fearless leader of the la brea encampment mm-hmm. i was like as soon as as soon as gavin and levi are in the mix together with dr dad i was like this better not be a fucking thing where suddenly everybody's making plans and eve is just like yes or no like that she's not driving idea generation I was like they better fucking not like they they cannot bring all these character elements together to just like put eve in a back seat and so far that has not been the case in fact eve a character detail we learn about eve in this episode is that she's a handy archer yeah eve can do anything that's that's why once once they once eve was the one who came up with the plan of like no here's what we're gonna do and it turned and she's the one who comes up with the entire sneak attack plan yes yes even in the face of three military guys who should be able to handle such a situation I was like, hell yeah. Yeah, I love thank Eve God. Continues oh, thank to God. be the de facto expert on everything. everything. Eve is the only one who can hunt, the only one who can work a bow and arrow. Because Eve had to become do- a single mom, which means Eve had to figure it all out. Yeah. Well, Eve they had to least- figure it all out. The the bow and arrow, she we bring back to the thing that we've had since the beginning, which is that Eve grew up hunting. Eve grew up doing these yes. things. Eve is, th- between this and the fact that Eve apparently runs like nine miles every day. <laughs> Eve, no one Eve's, is more Eve's, a, Eve's an ultra marathon trainer. Yeah, no one is more suited to be in ten thousand BC than Eve. Actually, not. It's yeah. Like if she, she went was... and started living with that village. Like the only reason Eve has not turned the Labrea encampment into a village, just like the people who've always been there, is because everybody else is holding her back. Oh yeah, no. The rest of that group is a hundred percent dead weight. Dead weight. Eve would be thriving in ten thousand BC. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, I I'm right there with you. And I'm I'm glad that we yeah that we've got Eve playing major roles in these things. That Eve is the one who gets to shoot the arrow that yeah. then magically sets off with the with the power rock sets off the a power bomb. rock man. So yeah. It, so anyway, so going back to the original thing. So there's we have so the after power I, village and I, is about attacked. the power rock. I yeah. do have to say 
because what they like they they have one of the rocks with them from the mine that the tower uses as fuel so i think it's like gavin realizes that it's combustible or, or levi yeah and she's like and i thought he was gonna take the fucking bow and arrow from her but he was like i'm gonna need your help mm-hmm. he doesn't take it from her he he goes to create a distraction and what eve does is like she katniss everdeen's up and i was like are they again? Because it's La Brea. I thought what they were gonna try and do. I thought Gavin ran to the bus to get everybody out, and that Eve was going to shoot an arrow armed with a grenade rock that was going to fly through flames, thereby igniting oh and God. then hitting the bus and exploding like a timed bomb. And God. I was, are they really gonna have? And they didn't. All she did was fire the rock arrow into the into the the bonfire, so it created explosion. But I thought it was going to be like a fucking RRR. She's going to shoot it through flame, where it will catch fire, continue to fly, and then hit the exact target that it needs to. I was so sure that was what was going to happen. Honestly, that would have made more logistical sense than what wound up happening. It most she mostly just like scared. She scared the wolves away with a big explosion. Yeah, but the big explosion doesn't harm anything Any, in the vicinity. Anyone or anything. No. Yeah. There's it a, just creates it, a lot of sparks. Like, it creates a fireball that goes into the bus. Yeah. But the mannequins below are completely unharmed. So it, it, <laughs> yeah, it was... The straw mannequins. The straw mannequins were intact. So, well, we yeah, don't know it, the, the properties of this fire. It's like the true. fire fingers, you know. It might be it only ignites like water. You're right. That's yeah, a great point. It only sets on fire what it chooses to set on fire. Yeah, that's... Uh, well, I mean, that's the laws of La Brea dictate that that is 100% how it works. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But yeah, the... So the wolves... So after they've like reached kind of a they've reached a standstill where the Paras village has been the attacking villagers have been surrounded by the you know clearing people yeah um and then like six dire wolves show up yeah to attack what i would assume is somewhere between 20 to 30 humans all holding weaponry yeah yeah and at first i was like I feel like the humans could, I feel like maybe the dire wolves would not go after such a situation quite so aggressively. Like this is not, they're certainly not going to be once they eat, like animals have a survival instinct. Little did I know. And one would assume that they are aware enough of people because they know the villagers, the villagers have spears and stuff. It's not like they've never seen people and don't know to like draw a boundary between them. These are ultra dire wolves because they are unstoppable. And we learn that because many of the people run into many of our main characters run into a bus to hide. Yeah. And the dire wolves, instead of being like, well, food can't get to it. Start to rip. It's an upside down bus. Yeah. So they, they go full to... Raptor. They're yeah, full and, Raptor. They're getting they into this fucking opening bus. Opening up that bus like a can of tuna, um, which is just a wonderfully La Brea thing that you can yeah. have a dire wolf poking its face into the underside of a city bus while another one is ramming its head into the glass. Yeah, it's going it's going total suicide mission and being like, I'm going to break this this window down with my face. Yeah. Um, so the only thing that can stop dire wolves, apparently, is a explosion that doesn't set anything on fire. Um, yep. And that's why we love La Brea. That's why we love La Brea. You know, as, you- as I was watching this episode, there were like every five seconds, I was like, shit, I got to relearn how to make gyps because this is... When there's an exchange between Gavin and I don't and Scott and mm. Scott's like you're familiar with the concept of time travel, yes? And <laughs> Gavin just stares at him, and goes, 
We're in 10,000 10, BC, BC, Scott. Scott. I, I, ho- I sincerely, I God, I hope the show gets a next season because I mm-hmm. feel like we have hit this that gorgeous stage, like yeah. Pretty Little Liars, where it we we reach the singularity of the show. Yeah, where the show begins having fun, and honestly, this became the joy of. I loved the show Blind Spot. What a fun procedural! Mm-hmm. Um, but it in like in season two, even it started. It was like it was reading the message boards, and the way the show would poke fun at the show was not at all cynical. It didn't undermine it. It was just yeah. like the characters knew they were in the show sometimes and they would say things that were like straight up laugh out loud funny yeah the example i will always go back to in pretty little liars besides like it starts in joking on itself like the characters start like calling each other out on things that the audience calls the character like somebody would legitimately look at emily and be like not that face again emily (laughs) And like, but the the bet, and I'm sure I've talked about on this show because I've talked about it so much. The best example of that it was in like season four or five of PLL. Mm-hmm. Um, they're in the like Hannah and Emily are in the car together. Mm-hmm. Hannah's being pissy as per usual, and she keeps like trying to drown out the silence by like turning on the radio in the car. And Emily keeps turning off the radio in the car. And then finally, after Emily turns it off for like the fourth time, she looks and goes, "This isn't spring break, Hannah." And Spring Breakers starring Ashley Benson had come out before that season. Yeah. And she shouts, this isn't Spring Break, Hannah, at her. I refuse to fucking believe with the tone that that show took that those writers weren't like, you guys. And I hope they were like, Ashley's going to love this. And this, I hope, my greatest hope for La Brea as a show is that it gets a third season and that it, the writers start just being like, guys, Let's let's have too much fun with this. Like, let's yeah. really we're in 10,000 BC, Scott. I want a ramp up of those kinds of situations where it's like, let's at, like, for example, I in the 1988 timeline, they have found a scientist who is a very important person. They find a scientist and they're like, we need your buy in to stop the sinkholes and the tidal wave we got to save los angeles and they try to make the case by showing her like essentially an iphone and like scrolling to photos of like look this is in 10,000 bc and 100 i this woman is playing dumb because she is guys she's gavin's mom she's one of the scientists that built the place she's probably in the tower right now in 10,000 bc but we're meeting her in 1988 and more importantly she's from the future supposedly she's she's from the fucking future we so she's from a thousand places and when she is she does what I really think is the natural reaction for somebody who's not obfuscating the truth in that situation where they're handed an iPhone in 1988 and they go, what the fuck is this bullshit? Mm-hmm. Like, you expect me to believe this is real? This this little picture folder you have in front of you? Like, and then she, like, flips through photos of, like, La Brea images and is like, movie, like, Russians are doing better special effects treatments than, like, Russians are making better photo edits of this every day. And it's like, did La Brea just make fun of the effects in La Brea? Did La Brea just make fun of the special effects in La Brea? Because if so, that's the world I want to live in. See, I took it the other way, which was that as I was watching it, and this before we know that she is from the future, yes. she's holding a, like, youths who are listening to this will never understand what it was like to have something that had graphics in the early 90s. Yeah. And this is 1988. Um, but you, like, you don't know what it was like when the iPhone 1 came out. Yeah. So... I don't even, I don't know when Game Boy comes out, but like, 
you are holding a thing the size of a Game Boy before this. Yeah, but you're holding a thing that is roughly the size of a Game Boy. A ten doesn't wear that doesn't weigh ten pounds like a Game Boy. (laughs) A tenth of its thickness, and then the screen is not just four pixels. Yeah, and like a little black and white Mario. We're dealing with a whole like. If you had handed me that, we we were just before this. We were just talking about. You know, this this predates first... Game Boy by a year. Game Boy arrives in 1989. Okay, so we were talking before this about our first thumb drives that we bought in college. Yeah. And like talking about how amazing it was to have 512 megabytes. If you in 1998, yeah. so even 10 years later, if you had handed me an iPhone and shown With that images, fucking resolution, I would have screamed and called you a witch. Yeah, exactly. Burn her. Yeah. Like, no. And no. so when she did, no. when she had that reaction, I did not think at all that it was that they were ripping on on LaBrea's graphic design. I, I only just thought like, of that because of all the ways that when she was because she said, yeah. like, Russians are making better fake photos than this every yeah. day. It was only because she said it in a way she's like, this is like this is some Hollywood prop. Yeah. Well, obviously, they're in Los Angeles, too. But it was that was exactly how. It wouldn't be like, wow, what are you showing me? It would be like, get the fuck out of here with this. Like, okay, what movie, what Star Wars are you in? Yeah. Like, what prop did you steal? Right. It was a very, it was a reasonable reaction to have completely, I don't believe it. Like, if she had seen a, if she had seen the, the photos and been like, wow, you're right. This is real. I would be like, no, absolutely not. Yeah. No, not even you, La Brea. We don't know that she built a fucking Stargate portal at this point. She's just some, professor and there's just that's that is a shut down your mind like it wouldn't even be like a my brain is breaking situation right now because you would just be like what the what is this supposed to be like what you wouldn't have the frame of reference yeah to even be overwhelmed by it you would need like 15 more minutes of explanation to even understand enough about what you were looking at to know it was something that you should have a feeling about in any way whatsoever. I did appreciate though that the two teenagers who have no grasp on what it was like in 1988 were like, well, the photos will convince her. And I'm like, dude, the photos wouldn't convince me now. Yeah. <laughs> no. It wouldn't no, do anything. They wouldn't. I would not be convinced. I'd be like, wow, that's amazing graphic rendering. Cool. I'm, yeah, I'm, that I'm is, looking that up- is what I assume that that would look like one day, maybe. I'm looking up right now when the when that iconic Mac Big Brother ad came out with like the woman oh, who runs yeah. in and that sets them all like free with fire. Early 80s, right? 1984. Yeah. So people know what a personal computer is and maybe the richest people you've ever met have She's one. She's at Caltech, so she or would your, be using computers. Right. They would have a computer in the in the in the in the premises for sure. <laughs> they would have like some shared systems. But like if you were like so what you have right there. Yeah. I have a million of them in here. Yeah. I have the power of 10 million of that machine in here. I can't hook up to the internet because it doesn't exist in the way that this phone needs it to exist yet. You don't have Wi-Fi. But like, just go with me on this imagination journey where I tell you that whatever it was we used to send a fucking rocket to the moon this is more powerful than that entire room of computing intelligence. Oh yeah. Are you still with me? Are you still with me? Like I, I, I really liked this. These two episodes really came through in some ways where the writing made me go like, thank God. Yes. It is absolutely what a person would do when so often like La Brea is built on 
people doing ridiculous things constantly. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and there's, I'm, I'm now like sitting here thinking through how would I convince somebody that it's not a prop. And I think what I would do <laughs> is ultimately open the camera app. Yeah. And be like, look, it's working. It's working. Yeah. Like here, I would look. like, I'd be like, here, two things. One, give me some numbers. I'm going to show you how quickly my calculator can calculate them. Yeah. And then two, here's the camera app. And this yeah. is, this is your face. There's no he, way I could digitally. Here's a calculator. Here's a calculator mm-hmm. that is not the size of a laptop yeah. today. That yeah. is that doesn't go when you like and like roll out a receipt with paper of that. Like I remember playing calculator in my like grandma and grandpa's Oh my office. God. The best toy. The bet the best toy. My dad and, has a calculator, had a calculator my whole childhood. And that was the toy that like, that was the adult toy that I was not allowed to play with. And to this you day, you just use all the paper. Oh, all of it. Yeah. All I would just, the it ink would and paper. Chaos. Uh, yeah. <laughs> to this day, like, I think my dad has gotten rid of it. And even still, there's a, like, every time I walk into their, into their office, I'm just a little more, I'm like, where's the calculator? It's so satisfying. And so if you were good. like, Hey, this is going to do what that does silently and faster mm-hmm. chaos you're insane you're unthinkable which yeah people the- women have been burned for less yeah i i again i would just yell if someone presented me with an iphone in 1998 i would yell and call them a witch because <laughs> yeah. that's would, all that my little pea brain can process it would, it would be an, a completely reasonable response yeah and you know i'm really done with in la brea who fucking Ty? Jesus oh, Christ, yeah. Ty. Ty, and like man. that, and he is like that is a real kind of guy. That yeah. is a kind of person where like they truly just keep fucking up every situation because they want to get involved in everyone's business and think yeah. they know best. So like he's a realistic kind of person, but it's the sanctimony of his martyrdom right. that I am so fucking over when he's like. She wouldn't do that. You know, we're we're friends. Like, what's the name of the woman who leads the other? Para. Para. Para wouldn't do that. We're friends. It's like, no, you're not. No, you're not. This would never have happened if I had been able to keep peace. But it's like, you're actually a fucking bad communicator. You're not good at this. But yeah. you think you're really good at this. And that is pissing me off, man. I just, I am so tired of Ty's weepy ass bullshit. And yeah. like, it's not even it's he's this wasn't this was a real episode stretch of bringing back things we had long shelved like yeah. ty's uh, like fatal brain condition is now back we la brea had seemed to have cured him ten thousand bc that is apparently not true and is in fact now getting worse mm-hmm. it has nothing nothing to do with his like it's not like a self-pitying thing it's it's what if he could be a 100 percent healthy not gonna die of a traumatic brain situation and i would still be like you are the worst i don't believe para someone who is cool actually is into you because you're so fucking annoying man yeah so the problem with ty at this point is that ty is somebody who thinks that he is a great mediator and in fact wow is just somebody who wants to be liked by everyone and one hundred percent that so instead of right it's not about resolving anything it's yeah. about everybody thinking ty's a good guy yeah and so instead of resolving things and being occasionally like look para we can't do that we can't we need to your village needs justice our village needs justice instead he keeps like kind of limply being like soon and yeah so we, you know, we'll do it soon. we'll promise we'll bring him back we promise we'll do this we promise we'll do that and yeah it's like, ty 
if you want to be the one who is intermediating, you have to, I don't know if that's a word, but like, or intervening and mediating. Yeah. Then you do have to, at certain points, be a bad guy. You You have have to to say no. You have to make hard choices. You can't, like, is he, is he somebody who tell he's, he tells a person in this episode, you can't please everyone, right? Like, or someone I'm sure tells, he does. Cause he's, because like, he, he also is therapizing people regardless if they want it or not. He is, he is a classic therapist who is a personal catastrophe. Yeah. Yes. He a hundred percent is. And he like uses his, whatever training he has and every yeah. skill he has, he uses that to manipulate people in his life. And into, I, but the like, thing is like, he doesn't, and, and full credit, Ty doesn't know he's manipulative. No. And that's the no. thing. Like, Ty has you no can't idea be Ty he's... unless you fully believe your own bullshit. Yeah, and he believes his bullshit. Right, and the th- like, I, it's it's just it's frustrating to watch from an outside perspective, and it's it's just such an unlikable character trait. Partly because of how how little self awareness he has. Oh God, about how ineffectual he truly is, or like how little there's. He keeps, you know, I got to talk to them. I can fix it. You know, my relate and and ever no one's being like, dude. You have fixed it enough at this yeah, point. No one's yeah, pushing back you, on him in a really way that causes you've done enough. Yeah, and there's no self-reflection on his point to show that he is learning and seeing and then like just can't help himself gets into these things. We're really meant to believe that no tie is a, the, the show. The biggest problem the show has is when the show is trying to tell us to believe something that it is then completely counteracting with like we're supposed to believe josh is a heroic good character oh my god he sucks and you the more you tell me he's he's great the more you tell me you've talked about your child i know it's because you aren't doing anything to show me yeah it's the great so i was uh my my gateway fandom as a teen was smallville yes um so that was was really out there i was really out there in the forums for small i was man i was i was in the, the i was the mighty big TV era, then into TWOP television without pity. Like television I was, without pity. I did television without pity, like invent modern recaps, television commentary. Like, is yes. that where it started? Was that the I genesis? Would, I would say so. Yes. There were like eight to 15 pages. You were reading short story recaps wow. with full analysis, commentary, uh, creating, you know, like creating, uh, slash subtext like that's where yeah. i learned about like all of that was wow it was every recap was like reading an english paper Jesus. a high school english paper but way more fun because instead of like being like these mm-hmm. are the themes that suggest it's about you know it, that suggests it's about family there's like these are the themes that suggest that Le- that lex really wants to fuck clark and then emily browning's a horse yeah i mean this is 100 <laughs> percent where i learned <laughs> everything about like a lot of my personality can be traced back to three things, Tiny Toon Adventures, The Muppet Babies, and then the Mighty Big TV backslash television without pity recaps. Because just that was how I learned all those three things were how I learned right. to interpret all media. Yeah. But yeah, so back in like the TWOP days, so Smallville, the love interest, Lana, was the sh- the showrunners were obsessed with her, like everything okay. about her. And so the show, everybody on the show was always like, how beautiful she is, how great she is, how, what a wonderful catch, like what a wonderful human she is. She's so smart. She's so talented. And the show just kept telling us. Yeah. And Kristen Krayuk, who is a stunningly gorgeous human. Sure. Yeah. Just spectacularly gorgeous, but not the best actress. Okay. And so the more that they kept being like, Clark's in love with her because everyone's in love with her because she's so beautiful and everybody should want her. Oh my God. That is one of the most 
yeah. difficult pills to swallow is it's, when you're told yeah. a, a female character is Helen of Troy. Yes, and, exactly. and you're just like, <laughs> no, yeah, you go. It goes like I, the chief target audience of who is susceptible to that person. Yeah, in real life and in fiction, if I'm not feeling it, it's not there. It's not there because I want it to be everywhere. I want to yeah. be ensorcelled by that feeling. I build my life around that. Oh, you do. Yes, I do. So if I'm watching something, I'm like, give us less. I'm sorry, but you are really overcompensating for a fact that is just not here. Yeah. And so that like that kind of approach to a character. <laughs> I mean, God, we just it the the running jokes that we had in the forums about Lana were just spectacular, but it really emphasizes how much Natalie Z has the goods. Yeah. Because I'm like, of Eve course, Nat- should... of course, Eve's good at everything. Yeah, that's Natalie the thing. Z like, is selling that. Right. And it's partly because Eve, I mean, her performance is really great in the sense that there's never a, or not so much a, the, the writing choices that she does not self appoint as leader. No, exactly. And then yes. be proven right. Uh-huh, like, every, uh-huh. there's, we're never put into a position where it's like Eve's the one who's yelling, like, we should do this. And she wants to do something super risky. And everyone's like, no, it's too dangerous. And then it turns out she was right. Yeah. Generally speaking, she has been the one who's been like the cautious. She is saying something that we all know as an audience to be true. Uh huh. And then is proven right. And that has helped to make her as a character, somebody that we trust. And we're like, yep, totally on board. Whereas with Ty, <laughs> we're just being shown over and over again that he is wrong about everything. Everything's always wrong. Yeah. And the, and the show is just not picking up on those cues and keeps on trying to tell us like, no, 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 he means really well. And it's like, that's fine. But like means really well doesn't get us very far. Yeah, The road to hell is paved with good intentions. And we're in hell. It's 10,000 BC. We're there. I we don't even need the good intentions. That road, we have walked down it and we are done. I feel like because we are at a place with culture such such that now I love a Mary Sue. I fucking oh. love a Mary Sue character. I I know it's like a pejorative, but I feel like the, we need to just like accept that like no, a Mary Sue is a great archetype. Yeah. I my uh friend friend and scholar, the the dear and darling Margot Carlson, a uh, big Lord of the Rings fan, and we were having this conversation, and she was <laughs> saying how like. People on, you know, in, in various, it's like, oh, Galadriel, like in the new Lord Rings of Power shows, Galadriel's such a Mary Sue. Oh, and Margot's response to that was, you know, shit. Yeah. Like, she's like an or text Mary Sue. Are you, are you fucking kidding me? Right. Like, that's not analysis. And like, you know what? Give me the female character who is preternaturally good yeah. at everything and everyone likes her and she's pretty. Like, yeah, honestly. I know so many women like that in real life. Yeah. Who are just like kind of amazing. Yeah. Dear friend of the pod, Marin is a fucking Mary Sue. <laughs> like, right. they exist. I just, I, th- I I feel like to damn the Mary Sue is to just put caps on the fact that like some women just have it like that. Yeah. And like, look, they, if they've got, if, if they're the business, they're the business, man. I, that's not a trope that I reject. My friend, I, my friend Flanders, who lives up in, my friend Flanders, who lives in Montana, she, that is oh, a I'm, wonderful name. Oh, her, her, it's her last name is Flanders. Oh, okay. So yeah, her first name. Like, yeah. Her, wow. First name Flanders. No, her last name is Flanders, which oh, is like, amazing. tells you everything you need to know about her. I know that she goes by, by, she goes by her last name yes. and it works. And it works. Yeah. 
And I met her because she was bartending at the dive at the Irish Times, which I used of to go course. to. Of course. Oh my God. You of met course. her as a bartender. Of course you did. Jordan, you know what she was doing? Because she can be at all. Yeah. Well, so you know what she was doing? as during the daytime while she was bartending at night what going to modeling USC, going to usc law are you kidding me come on yeah no she Here's was going to the mary sue's man going to USC law. You. jordan you know what else she does oh my god what hunter brazilian gather ju- brazilian jiu-jitsu oh my god you know what else she does the lady could prof- defend me in a court of law and the streets yes she also <laughs> was in a arm wrestling league and her character was Ruth Bader Gunsberg. Oh my God. And she wore like her little outfit was like a little, you know, crop top that had like a fake dickie. This is, this is, this is exactly the trope. And this, you know what else she did, Jordan? Do you know what else she does? What now? She took a metallurgy class just because she could. And now she can (laughs) metalsmith and make her own knives. (laughs) I didn't expect knives to be the thing you were going to say. She can make her own knives. This is dream girls exist. You know what else she does? She moved to Montana and now she has like Is a this dog. like your Montana inspo? Is this why you yeah, that's, repeatedly are like, went, what if I did Montana? Oh no, there's no world in which I could do any of these things. That's the thing. <laughs> yeah. Is that like she picked up and moved to Montana and and like is now a cowgirl in Montana. Of course. Like, well, that's where one is. would go. She was right. Yeah. And then I go to visit her and I'm like, ah, I am the only Jew in town. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like, I, I, I could not have been, it could not have been more of a, as if you drop your sim into a completely new environment yeah. and the sim suddenly is just like, you put the sim in a kitchen and there's no doors and the sim's just walking into walls. That was me and Montana. <laughs> and I'm okay with Even that. Even La Brea can exist because women like Flanders are out there. Exactly. So, so that's the thing. Yeah. Of course she could. Yeah. And again, and she's still a practicing lawyer. And you know what she's- her, <laughs> I was In entertainment law. What? Yeah. I it's thought you were going to say like land rights or no, something. No, she's not like a tree law lawyer. She is entertainment law. Wow. Yeah. See, so bless, bless, bless the Mary Sue's. My I feeling about Mary them. Sue's is having now met like uh, several women who I- do things where I'm just like, how do I be even a quarter of who you my are? My college, you have, you have basically, you have just described a version of my college roommate, mm-hmm. uh, Aaron, who is on top of just being stunning. Yeah. Is like, yeah, I w- am a nutritionist and uh, I have a medical degree, but also I really just at this point in my life want to start like an adventure events company. Yeah. Um, where I'm like, she's from Alaska. She's from Alaska. She's up. She's back up in Alaska. She like made her own wedding dress and the wedding dress of a friend. She'll cook the most beautiful dinner you've ever had. And she'll also field dress a moose. Yeah. Like she will do it all. She will do it all. So that was the thing I left out as I read all of Flanders accolades. Jordan, I just texted you a photo. This is Flanders. <laughs> Of course, this could she's only a, be her. She this is a could babe. Only... Like guys, guys verified. She is a babe. fucking babe. Look at this. So this is a pro Mary Sue podcast. Yeah, because we are pro Mary Sue. I have met more women who I'm like, wow, you do literally everything in the world. Yeah. Your interests run the gamut than I have ever met one man who can do two things simultaneously. That's the thing. It's like, yeah, it is. It's like this yeah. woman should be like unattainable, but she isn't. She settles for men constantly. Yeah. Like, yeah, this is an unattainable individual, but they are attained often, unfortunately, by lesser men. 
Right. So this is why th- I mean, <laughs> um, but that is, <laughs> I'm glad we're in agreement on the I, I did not that there would have ever been a doubt in my mind about Mary Sue and your feelings on Mary. Yeah, Sue, no, you, yeah. that's I, that's telegraphed all day long. Right yeah. There. I mean, there's also you can get into the idea of like, OK, well, Luke was also preternaturally good at literally everything he did in Star Wars. And yeah, somehow he's not a Mary Sue. He's just a protagonist. Yeah. And so there's that aspect of it as well, which you can totally get into. But the truth is, is that. I just know a bunch of real life Mary Sue's and they're all yep. fucking incredible. And yeah, it's just I, I know them. In fact, yeah. I've met them. I'm friends yeah. with them. It's it's a, it's, it's a great life. Yeah. So w- with Eve, there's even though I'm like, he was an office manager. Like, that's, <laughs> I think pretty, I'm pretty sure like Eve's job was like an office manager. I hope if Eve gets back to 2020, whatever year that like, hey, I'm sure Eve was the best fucking office manager a person could be. Right. But I hope she's like, I'm starting my own office. Like, I'm going to start a company and run it because, like, I should be an office manager. Great job. But, like, Eve should be running her own operation because why would she be working under anyone else for the rest of her life? No No. way, man. I There is no world in which Eve, I, I just can't, Eve could, so here's the thing, Eve could Report to somebody who is her superior. Mm-hmm. Eve should never have to report. It, to somebody that who is, is her so true. Eve would be in a c- incredible mm-hmm. support system, second in command, because she would do what's best for the mission. No. She shouldn't have to. She shouldn't have. That's to. completely true. That's yeah. completely true. So yeah, Ty sucks. I know Ty sucks, and then Para, like many of the amazing women that we know, settles yep. for a man who sucks. When she has her moment, when she's like, "I just didn't think that I would ever meet another man I'd want to spend my life with," and then I met you, and I'm like, "You met him ten days ago." It's been it's it, you met him just days ago, and yeah. I again. Although I feel like in the show, I feel like even though the show is textually like we can do sunrise to sunsets on this show and you can actually count it. It's not like we're going like, oh, one episode is a day because we think it. it's like, no, one episode is a day because we are getting continuations from prior episodes. Yeah. Even with that, I kind of feel like the show thinks it's been more time than it has been at this point. I did love that somebody, I, it might've been Eve. Oh, it's when she's talking to Izzy early on, like, or, you know, she's looking at her while she sleeps and Izzy wakes yeah. up. She's like, if you were looking at me all night, she's like, no, not all night. Yeah, all night. Yeah. And then she was like, I know it's only been a few days but it feels like it's been years. I was like, again, please tell me this is the show just talking to us, being like, guys, we all know that it feels like they've been here for fucking years. Yeah. We all, like, it's only been days. Because, yes, she is, she could have gone on a vacation with a friend's family to Mexico, as mm-hmm. the teens do, um, for as long as she's been away from her mom. Yeah. In emotionally, when you watch La Brea, you know that these characters have been together for a generation. Yeah. The civilizations could rise and fall in the amount of emotional time. There's nothing these people don't know about each other. Yeah. That that was also I think it was specifically the moment when she was like said to Izzy, I know it's only been a few days, but it feels like and I was like, all right, cool. So are we centering back on the idea that it's only been like less than two weeks? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are we all are we all caught up on that in an agreement? Because in this in this season, we haven't even been going days at a time. We've been going like part of days at a time at some points. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, so last season, I think like two or three episodes was one day. Yeah. So we caught up. We lost a couple of days there. Now I think we're back to an episode a day is kind of the vibe. I'm I getting. think because we start four with Scott being weird again. Yeah. And like coming back to the camp. But they're eating and breakfast. So they're, we can and they're say eating it's a breakfast. And I think at the at the end of six, it's five. like been at the end of five. I think it's only been like a day's journey. 
Yeah. When they get back from the mines, like again. Yeah. Because they like have departed and they've like, they've walked so many, at least like 10 miles. Because somebody at some point says something like, oh, it's 10 miles away. It's like, you guys are, you guys are moving like it's True Detective season two. And you're going to get from Ventura to Guerneville up in the San Francisco Bay Area and back again in a day in January, sun up the entire time. Like that's what mm-hmm. we're working with here. So like, I think four and five were, it's one day has passed. It's been, I think two, because four is that fog. Comes, and remember so, that, remember that cataclysmic rainstorm that lasted about five minutes. That's true. That is true. <laughs> but they really make it seem like with the fog, that the fog was like, the fog sets in and it never leaves. And it's like, <laughs> it burns off by noon, but okay guys. Yeah. yeah. Again, we have lived through this yeah. many times. Uh, it sets back in around 4 p.m. and you're just and you're confused every time. Like, I get that. I understand that experience because that is the the most common L.A. experience is being shocked every single day by the presence of June gloom. No, it really it, it, it manages is. even like I'm I'm almost seven years here now at this point, And I certainly was accustomed to the fog in San Francisco. But there's something about it here where every time I wake up and see a foggy morning, I'm like, oh, you don't say. Yeah, it's surprising it's, every time. The one that always gets me is the afternoon, the late afternoon roll in, which like. Should not be surprising, not just should not be surprising because I grew up here, but should not be surprising because I grew up here in the hills where you would watch it roll in. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not like it would be like all of a sudden you're sitting there and you look up and you're like, oh, the sky's cloudy. Like, no, I've seen it my entire childhood. I've watched it roll in across the basin. And yet somehow every time my monkey brain is like, yeah, sky. Well, I mean, that's how they're acting in La Brea, too. So yeah. we have we all have that in common. So it uh, is. Yeah, that is that is the most true to L.A. experience is being bewildered by fog every single time. I I, I I'm going to go back to Izzy because when when our, our heroes, they are going to they've devised the plan is uh, doctor uh, is dead. She's yeah. been bitten in the shoulder. She couldn't survive. Um, but the plan is they're going to take a shipment of the fuel rocks to the tower. The exiles are so they're going to hijack a shipment get into the tower via that shipment of fuel and then they're gonna commence with the plan to use silas's key card to get into parts of the tower where i guess they get to the battlestar galactica time time jumping machine yes um so they but so they have the map they have the map of the tubes in the in the mines and izzy of course is like and i get where she's coming from on this she's like i we're not separating again i'm going with you this is a perilous journey but like i'm not fucking leaving you guys again I get that. Her parents understandably are like, no, this is not just normal dangerous. This is super dangerous. I, and again, writing an extremely effective teen in these episodes, Izzy picks them being trapped in a fucking mining operation surrounded by bad guys around possibly every turn to be like, so are we just going to pretend like everything's fine when it's not? And it's like, Izzy? This is exactly why they didn't want you to come. Yeah. Like this is they were right. In addition to the danger, this is exactly why you shouldn't be here right now because you're turning a logistical life threatening crisis into like a family therapy moment. And she's like, that's when you really see she's like side eye and mom and she is not letting this affair thing go. And dad, like and I did like how they wrote Gavin in this one, too, because like Gavin's been a really stand up guy about yeah. like, I'm going to win you back. Like, I'm not going to cross your boundaries and disrespect that. But then like and he's like, hey, hey, Izzy, it's not your mom's fault. It was my, it was my fault. And she's like, yeah, you're trying, though. And that has to count. And he doesn't say like, listen, we'll get it on our own. He does like he just kind of side eyes Eve like, I mean, maybe she's got a point. It's like, <laughs> OK, yeah. Like, uh, Gavin is going to be a little self-serving about this sometimes because it's really important to him. And he's like, well, maybe she should. And just, like, watching Izzy, A, right before that, 
she also they land in a cave because they end up in a booby trap with the exile set and they're surrounded by giant fucking spiders oh my god the giant spiders and Izzy is like panicked. She's like, oh, I hate spiders. And her mom's like, I know, baby, I know. Like, calm down, calm down. And then suddenly the entire room is full of spiders. Don't worry, they find a way out immediately. But Izzy is frozen, paralyzed, cannot move. Like, oh my God, the spiders, oh my God, the spiders. It's like, again, Izzy being a real liability right now when you promised you could hang. And she is just like making herself a problem in every way her parents knew she would be when they told her she shouldn't come. Perfect yeah, teenager. Perfect. But teenager. she did do the one thing she promised her mom that she would do, which is that as they kept like, this is the only exchange that Eve has with her children at any time is you can't come. It's not safe. I'm coming <laughs> yeah. whether you want it or not. And then there's like a long pause and she's like, okay, fine. But you have to stay right next to me. Yeah. yeah. And that is the same. She had, they have the same exact exchange in totally. 204 and they have that same exchange in 205. And she had those same exchanges with Josh in yep. the entire first season. But Unlike Josh, who inevitably will go off somewhere and cause fucking problems and create a whole new subplot yeah. of issues. Instead of Josh being difficult, Izzy does exactly what she promises her mom she'll do. And she stays right by her. That At is true. No point that is true. Anything that happens in 204 or 205 is Izzy doing something that causes her parents to then have to reroute from the original plan. It's that is absolutely that is why true. she is the superior child. That she 100 percent is. Yeah. And she she pulls her weight a little bit in the fight scene. She like takes a guy down. Um, yeah. There's a, you know, savage battle between they end up knocking out some guards, taking their exile clothes, stealing a tr like wheelbarrow of the fuel rocks and then like acting like, hey, I think we got away clean. It's like, yeah, like the guys you temporarily immobilized in the caves aren't going to come to life and tell everybody what you just did. Yeah. So then obviously they are pursued by guards. There's a fight in the woods. And that's when like, Gavin saves Eve once and then Eve fucks a guy up, but then Eve's in trouble. So then Levi comes sprinting in from the outside and they have a moment of holding hands and stuff. And it's like, uh oh, when are Gavin and Levi going to fight? Let them fight. I am so excited for that. I don't want them to fight. I just want them to agree to be boyfriends. That's right. Well, that's right. The, the, the thruple situation is the ideal outcome. I would it like is. to see a fight on the path to that. Okay, I would that's love fine. Yeah, they can I throw would... a couple punches and then realize that they both just want to be like that there's room for both of them in this marriage. Yeah, there. And because, hey, this is also 10,000 BC. Make your own rules. That's what I'm saying. When Make Para was talking rules. about being married and I was like, Para, you don't have to be held by these bounds of like monogamy. You don't. Have I, to that. I love that. She's like, he died and I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. And then a few scenes later, it's like, hey, remember that Tongva guy that we met last episode? That's her husband, actually. And he they are called the exiles because he led a revolt in their village and the village banned them and exiled them. And they broke bad and joined the Tower Alliance. And surprise, it's a it's a par love triangle now, which yeah. I I do love. I appreciate that. Yeah, we get that because of the fact that she go, he, that she goes chasing after the one remaining exile and then realizes that it's Tamit and does not take the shot and Ty bloodthirsty fucking Ty yeah. is like why didn't you take the shot she's gonna shoot him with an arrow why didn't you take the shot and it's like well Ty chill out about this like she <laughs> let the guy the guy's running away what let him run were you also sure when because the plan is we're wearing the exile clothes and we're just gonna go out the front gate with this yes. stuff were you sure that Tomet was letting them go because he definitely in no way was conned by no. their bad cosplay? No. And then he by having was. the two having I was a like, woman wait, are you... sitting in front, like what? I when he like 
Because I thought it because like Gavin and him have a moment in the tunnels when yeah. he is escaping last time where he's like, I have to save my family. Like, please, I know you understand this. Like, I think you're yeah. a good man. And then like they he like doesn't let him go, obviously. But it really sets up that there's going to be a moment where Tomet has to make a choice between being an, an exile and like a fascistic overlord or yeah. being like a good man. And so when he sees Gavin and clearly a woman clearly a white blue-eyed woman sitting in the front seat of yeah. this wheelbarrow he's staring at both of them gavin's giving terrible excuses for why they are like behind schedule he goes and he looks and he sees another like delicate blue-eyed white woman in the back of the wheelbarrow and they're all staring at him nervously and then he's like yeah you can go and I was like, oh, this is him doing the thing where he's making the choice. But then the guards run out from the mines and they're like, stop them. It's the bad guys. It's the it's the it's the La Brea Sky people. And then he's like, what? Go. And then he's yeah. chasing them down and hunting them. I was like, wait a minute, dude. You didn't know that was a trick. You didn't help them just now. You're sincerely surprised about. I don't think you're fit to lead, Tomit. I, I was, don't yeah. think you're fit to lead, actually. I was befuddled by that no, whole sequence crazy. because the fact that I thought that I was like, okay, Tomet is is on to it. Because like the the first choice of having Eve sitting shotgun. Wow. When you've got you got another the, guy right you've got another dude you. right there. And then the fact that like you've got Eve who is slim and yeah. has blue eyes. And very clearly is a woman. And we've not seen a single woman in this entire encampment. And so nope. what did you guys think? And their faces are all really clean. And it's like you guys yeah. kind of smudged up a little dirt. Like you are tricky. The only thing that was that was done well in that whole escape sequence in terms of like the internal logic was Gavin making the decision to not answer those questions with more than two words. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, great choice. Cause I was waiting for Gavin to fully go full Scott and give too much explanation <laughs> yeah. and stammer. And like, but Gavin went the right way and just was like, yeah, we were delayed. Can we go? And great. Good job, Gavin. Good job. Good, good skills. Yeah. Um, having Eve sit shotgun, not so much, but they, you know, Tomet did what was necessary for the plot. Yeah. And we love a man who moves the plot along, I guess. And um, yeah, and meanwhile, Scott goes on a side quest with the heroin guy while he's yeah. going through weed withdrawals. Yes. And we learn his tragic backstory that he's only in the past two episodes has he become obsessed with helping the people that he loves. It's he cannot stop talking about it. Yeah. And his tragic origin story of that was that his brother drowned when he was 13 years old and he didn't do anything to save him. Scott, it's not your fault drowning happens very quickly there's no possible you could have got to your brother in time if he was that far out from the shore um but he has been blaming himself his entire life and he talks about being an ineffectual failure he goes on a side quest to help free the exile slaves yes and to prove he's worth a damn and then he breaks his dependency on marijuana by triumphing over the exiles and has forged a new bond of brotherhood brotherhood with the heroin guy sure um, the heroin guy who's no longer worried about where his heroin is buried. And this is also, keep in mind, the same Scott who in the second episode um, locks Riley, uh, the the daughter of Dr. Dad, locks her out of a car when there's a wolf attack. So yeah. the thing is, is that of yeah. Scott's most Real consistent twist. character details, Scott's a coward who's bad in a crisis. Mm -hmm. I would not expect Scott to be good in a crisis. I would not want that nope. for him. That is nope. not a character trait we need. 
but the show is determined to make him good in a crisis um, and make us think that that's a a character trait he has previously cared about despite never showing that. Never. And that's fine. The one, my biggest problem with that whole thing is that at the end, Scott litters. What? No, for real. He like pulls his... He pulls his piece out of his pocket and I was like, he's going to do some like grand declaration of his lack of like his broken dependency and he's going to fucking litter in 10,000 BC. He's going to litter in 10,000 BC? Don't you dare throw that. And honestly, Scott also the least likely to litter in 10,000 BC. Yeah. Scott is like the one in the beginning of the show who explains to us like, guys, I think we might be in the fucking past. Yeah. And he like buys in immediately to the possibility of what their reality actually is and is like explaining some kinds of science to people. His science has also not be has also left being a part of the show. And now he's like, I'm just going to throw this piece of metal on the ground. I'm going to throw garbage away mm-hmm. on the ground in 10,000 BC. Asshole. Yeah. Scott, of all people, should understand like the... It, yeah. In fact, it, the the consequences of time travel, one of which is, hey, you're now going to like maybe people might not find it, but also there's a chance that they're now going to find a vape pen in a layer of earth from 10,000 BC. Odds <laughs> yeah. are small on that. Like, yeah, it's it's a real needle in a haystack situation. But also, Scott, just don't fucking litter. Like, yeah. you know, you know, you're not supposed to be here. Don't go throwing 21st century technology around. Yeah, that's um, you know that that's not going to biodegrade. That's a piece of metal. Yeah, and a battery. Like, dude, just. Keep it with you. Pack it out. Yeah. Keep it as a toilet in of your like fucking backpack, man. Yeah. Keep it as a reminder of what you no longer need. Never mind. That, like, do we think that the field of marijuana is real or made up? Because like really good. Like, yeah. Is that something he's saying because he's like, I need to make a lie? Yeah, I think because like the reason that Veronica and what's his name, like have a have a whole sequence in the fog where he's like walking around. And she's like, we got to go back to camp. And he says, I'm looking for the field. Because I don't think it exists. Yeah, I think yeah, and Scott's lying about something. I don't Which find is out. such an insane lie, though. Like, Scott, what a weird-ass lie. Do you think that people aren't going to be like, well, we want to see the giant field of marijuana. If for no other reason, then it's something to do with our day. Like, It's not something to, even to smoke, do with our day. Not even to smoke the weed, but just to be like, yeah, let's go look at it to go find it. It's something to do. It's something to go, do. It's something to do. You're in 10,000 B. Like, the number of things that we were trying to find ways to fill our time with during COVID- Oh, man. <laughs> You're basically stuck in like a quarantine situation in the past without Netflix. So, yeah, I would yeah. take and a without, 10 you mile. And without no yeast. Yeah, there's They're nothing not baking to do. bread. I'm not going to sit at the campsite all day long with curly haired guy. Like, No, he's just complaining constantly. Constantly. So, no, <laughs> like, let me go on a walkabout and go explore and find the field of marijuana and be like, yeah, it's a field of marijuana. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That was a day. Yeah. Yeah, let's head back. So yes, I, in terms of things he could have, I think that he was lying about it, but it's just such a weird lie choice. And also if you're the the town stoner and you're not then having a continual supply of weed, I would also ask some questions. Yeah, I don't, I hope we can, because we've discovered Scott's trauma and he's solved all of his internal issues now. I hope that's another thing that we can just table and anxiety Scott can go away. Because yeah. anxiety, Scott, is extremely annoying. In anxiety, Scott, when he when he says, "I'm just a big fat failure again," and then the drug dealer is like, "What do you mean again?" And I'm like, "Yeah, have you not been around for the last two weeks?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. everything guy, Scott does is dropping a the fucking ball. This is his character. Like, there's yeah. no. This is not a a 
dark secret here. Scott's kind of useless in an apocalypse. Yeah, Scott. Scott's dead weight, guys. Yeah, and that's fine. Not everyone. I, I not everyone has to serve a purpose in the apocalypse, but in particular, Scott is not somebody who has proven useful in any way, shape, or form. I have to believe that Scott is going to end up just like in the way that Ty has like found peace with Para's village, and like he should just stay there. Like he doesn't need to come back to the twenty first century. <laughs> I, I feel like Scott is going to, like, enter the, the glass tower yeah. and be like, I work here now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think that Scott, I think Scott's most likely to have a villain turn of, like, him going mm. to the dark side. And then, Interesting. Like, no, they're working on it. I could see What if he meets that. his older self and his older self is a fucking terrible person? Oh, that would be great. I would be super into that. Yeah. He has a goatee. Yeah. So I'm super all into for that as a concept. Th- another classic La Brea moment in this is Josh when he meets his dad's real mom has this moment of like, "Uh, you're my grandma." Like somebody meeting their own relative, yeah, with a preposterous age difference between them. A great thing about this show. Great. He's I, met his dad as a little boy. He's meeting yeah. his grandma as a young woman. I I love also that like every oh yeah time... note, guys Gavin's parents are both alive and they're scientists and they help create these portals so yeah yeah which like is ultimately kind of just a footnote like yeah sure okay I'm on board I love that every time someone sees Gavin as an adult and they're like this is Isaiah and then they look and they're like oh, I see it and I'm like how it's like you don't you're liars you're liars <laughs> you're somebody looking at a baby saying you look just like your mom when yeah you, that baby doesn't look like anything that baby looks like that baby looks like a potato like don't yeah. even yeah that baby doesn't have a face yet like that's yeah. Like no, it I, will, it might look like that. That baby might look like its mom in like three months, but that baby yeah. doesn't look like anything right now. It's such a mind fuck for me though that that like now we're in 1988 and it's you know that his grandma timeline wise, yeah, of course. In 1988, if you ask me how old is Gavin's parents, like I guess it would make sense that Gavin's mom would be like a babe in 1988. Yeah, that does totally. Track. Mm-hmm. But I can't. I just because. For me, the 90s were 20 years ago. I can't. I can't do it. I can't wrap my head around it. So like the 90s were a little more than 20 years ago. I know. But for me, (laughs) when I'm like, oh, you know, like 20 years ago, like 1993. It's just 30. Yeah, I know. I know like logically, but I will say one of the advantages of my brain just not processing that like hot young babes in 1988 would be grandmother now would be like a teen's grandmother. So that twist did completely catch me by surprise. Oh, yeah. I lo- that was a great twist. It was a great twist. I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> He's so hot, though. Yeah, and I was yeah. like, oh, right. 1988, isn't that, that would be, that would make sense. She would be like in her 30s right then and had a six-year-old child and, in 1988, and he would be 40 now, and that would make him Gavin. Like, yes. <laughs> that would make him Gavin. That would make him Gavin. And she would be logically the same age as my mother is now, who could theoretically be a grandmother. Like, yes, I get it. But logic, like, I, it no, still it's, will it's- catch me every single time off guard. And so I did also, did you notice how much the actress does look like uh, Natalie Z? <laughs> Yes, yes, I did. Yes. Really, like, I wouldn't have clocked that if they had not then had her have her moment with baby Gavin. Yeah. And then she asked Man, the, the number baby... of people that this kid is gonna be involved with that he's just seen as a child. He's he's just hung out with the woman who he's going to have two children with. Yeah. He's now met the mother he has no memories of and still doesn't know that he's met that one. I mean, that's fucking nuts. Yeah, when she's like giving him this impact, like this very clearly impactful moment that's going to just imprint on him for forever. And I'm like, oh, that's why he picks Eve because yeah. his mother looks <laughs> yeah. like Eve. God, this is some Freudian shit. 
I did like, and I'm curious about the way that, I don't know if La Brea has worked out the like red strings to make this timeline make sense. Right. Because we know in that timeline, we know that that timeline has a sinkhole at the Hollywood Hills, which doesn't happen in timeline A. Where La yeah, Brea which happens. isn't supposed to have existed. Right. But Gavin's real mom does connect him with the parents who adopt him in timeline A. And she's, she's, they're not random. She's friends with them. So that means his adoptive parents grew up mm-hmm. being fact, like, you predicted it because you were like, I hope Jessica is actually secretly tied to the tower. That was when we were talking about our hopes oh, for. Oh, th- you mean the, in, the disappearing Ioni Sky? <laughs> yes. Aunt Jessica returned in this episode. They did not completely write her out. They gave her an Aunt Jessica. They gave Aunt Jessica a childhood moment where she comes along with her parents to go adopt Gavin. I did look at that and think like, does this mean she's involved? (laughs) Yeah. Which you would pretty, when we were doing our season two, like what we hope we see in season two. And that was one of the ones you were like, I hope she's an inside plant. I hope that she's in on this whole thing. I fucking hope so, man. And this has put us one step closer. I did love when they were like, just one of the things that's always so hard when you're writing is you're trying, like there's certain things that just aren't cinematic and that aren't, don't telegraph well the moment you need. And so you got to find the workarounds, but I got to say of the workarounds I would have found to have, Gavin's grand or Gavin's mother have a moment with Gavin would not have been the adoption agency puts all the children in a glass window in a, in a cat observation room. Yeah, like where I was you like, go is to this see animals at the SPCA. Shelter? Yeah, it was it like was, it was like they were it was like adopting guys. Apparently, they in were fully adopting playing children is like behind display puppies. glass. Yes, kids and, of all and ages. because you adopt them, and because you adopt them instantly, yeah. you walk in the building and say. I need to talk to somebody about an adoption. And then an hour later, you bring in a family to adopt a child. I don't know how things worked in 1988, but like not one home visit, not one. Nothing. You can just point at the child and just they're just like, oh, great news. That tap, one's Don't still tap available. on the glass. That works them up. That riles mm-hmm. them up. I, I was surprised we didn't get like a little moment in a little small room where you get to see if he's socialized or not. Yeah. The like, little breakout room where yeah. you just get to see if you're connecting. Yeah. 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 Oh God. That, that, as soon as I saw the, the puppy children behind glass. Yeah. And that then you was... can have like a woman come in and be like, I have somebody, but I don't want to adopt. I want to bring in strangers who should yeah. adopt that child. Yeah. And I'm vouching for them. And yeah. you don't know me, but that should mean a lot. So I'm wondering though, like, okay, so we know that she facilitates that. Is it just one of those things that would have happened either way and she might not have been involved? In yeah, the that's adoption? a very, I, yeah, I'm starting, or... I, I, I'm starting to wonder about the like, okay, what's happening because it's supposed to happen versus like intervention happening. Hmm. Right. So does this mean that no matter what, Josh has to travel to 1988 and that there's just an alternate timeline where Josh manages to stop the sinkholes. So he still travels, but that, so there's like, that's the timey, like yeah. the Gordian knot of time travel issues that I don't necessarily need the show to unpack. I'm no. just curious on if the show is going to unpack it. Yeah. Because the show so rarely gives us any information about where we're going with any of this. Mm-hmm. I don't know what things I'm supposed to, like as you're picking up little plot details to put in your plot backpack, I yeah. don't know what I'm supposed to be taking. So instead I'm just... The woman from Labyrinth who's carrying all of her shit on her back. (laughs) And that's me. And I'm like, oh, marching through the junkyard, getting dolls to little girls. I'm like, oh, but I need to bring the cow along. And I also (laughs) need to bring Josh along. And I need to bring the sinkholes along. But also, do I need to bring the vape pen? Is that going to come back? Yeah. (laughs) There's so much. And I don't know what I can't prioritize on this what matters and what doesn't no and so i've just and instead of taking the important lesson from lost which was don't take any of it along i'm like i've taken the exact opposite lesson along which is take all of it 
Take all of it. Take everything. Um, so I'm just like carrying around all of La Brea's trash on my back at this point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's great. I I, there's I I'm happy to have La Brea's trash on my back. Yeah, because as we've learned, Jessica came back. And I 100 percent thought that if Gavin's adoptive family was going to show up, that we were not going to have an Aunt Jessica. Mm-hmm. I like they well, she, didn't need to, she didn't need to come to the adoption. She didn't need to be there. So we like didn't, we didn't need to have Josh recognize and call out, hey, it's Aunt Jessica. So now I had fully thought that we were done with Ioni Sky. Gosh, and now she, she could be behind it all. She'd be, <laughs> be pulling all of the strings. God, I hope so. I hope so too. Give I me hope that so reveal for, for sure. Yeah, we did. I I don't know who someone had brought up on the um basically said like, but where's the gay couple on Twitter? And I was like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think that we don't have the gay couple anymore. Um, and I still kind of, I still don't think we're getting those two actors. Back. No, I don't think so either. I don't think so. But um, as we've seen now, anything is possible. Yep. They could. They could come back. I don't think they will, but they could. Yes. What a. What a ride these couple of episodes, as I'm every episode is. But what having, a ride. Having a blast. Yeah. Having a great time. I, I love, love my friends in La Brea. <laughs> I know. I, I get, I oh, was I'm like, so bummed that Josh is going to be back at some point. Ugh. I know. I know. And like, I, I do love Riley having specifically styled her hair to be 1980s. <laughs> yeah. Like, she... Yep. And, and Josh 19- just already was. Yeah, Josh has not changed anything about his personality or appearance at all. And I would not expect him to. I would not expect him to. I would I would fully think that he would try to pay for something in, with money out of his pocket and then be like, oh, yeah, no, it's a dollar bill from 2022. Why wouldn't you accept that? Like, yeah, fine. Zoe could be a international spy at this point. International not, not spy. Not Zoe, Riley. Riley. I don't know why I keep wanting to call her Zoe. I just do. She has more of a Zoe face than she has a Riley face. But yeah, she, international spy, Sydney Bristow. <laughs> Fucking Carmen Sandiego. Yeah, just fully, she has found a denim vest yeah. and a denim skirt and she is ready to go. Yeah, she knew. She she is fully She's downloaded her 1988 programming. <laughs> I, I was I, I was bummed that the geologist um doesn't seem to be having more of a role in this, but I like there's no need for him. But right, yeah. I was excited that there was a geologist character. But he now we're a, and he could come back, as we know. He could come back, but he's very clearly it was like a stepping stool to get to grandma. Yeah, to um, get to grandma. To, to get to hottie grandma. Yeah. Yeah. Who is from the future. Which when she said I'm from the future, I couldn't figure out at first what she meant by the future because I was like, which future? Yeah, We're that's actually a good point. Be- when she's like, I was also like, I'm- your present, yeah, or 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 this future, or, or this future, or like, or the future 20... to even you as a 2021 person. Yeah, I was like, are we talking like the year thirty thousand, or are we talking? Yeah. yeah, what are we dealing with here? And then and then increasingly, I was like, oh no no no, they mean like she's a space lady. <laughs> she's from Dune. Yeah, she's 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 from the Jetsons is what she's she's from Planet Arrakis. (laughs) And yeah, I can't and I can't wait for Gavin to meet, um, I hope, his also uh, awkwardly aged, awkwardly similarly aged mother. Yeah. Yeah. And then I I hope that at least one character looks between her and Eve and is just like, huh, you got a type. Yeah. You're like, "Hmm." hmm. I hope more things are making sense to me now, too. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm so we should go. We should be going into the tower on the next episode. We should be in the. They have the fuel rocks. They yeah. are the cargo bay doors have opened, yes. and it looks like we're going to finally enter the, the tower. tower. Looking forward to finding out about that. Looking forward to. Uh, I would personally say just go to 1988, guys. Like all of you, 
you, the three of you can reunite with Josh in 1988 and then just live it out in 1988. Yeah, just go. Like, who needs to go back through time again? What, with the the adults about- will absolutely know what to invest in yeah. and what to bet on. So, like, yeah, they should all it. go. Like, honestly, if you gave me the option of, like, you can go back in time to 1988 or you can go forward to 2022. Like, what? I mean, it, with your whole family, with loved ones, with your yeah. unit. I'd be like, well, 1988 versus the third year of a pandemic yes like it's a real knowing what we know now situation yeah i'm sorry like multiple attempts at assassinating major political leaders like i don't need to be in that stress (laughs) give me the 1988 stress like i know i know that the ussr the biggest stressor in 1988 like as a uniform thing not on an individual level not on the blanket world concern was nuclear annihilation in 1988 and like the USSR. I know how that goes. I know. Yeah. That, like, well, yeah, that's years- the thing is we know that we know that we at least get as far as 2022. Yeah. So like- I will, I would, I would totally take that bet. I would take that bet. And then again, you could stop nine 11. You could like, I could make sure in 2000 that everyone's punching their, their ballots correctly. You good. You could be a you could be a poll watcher in Florida. The hanging Chad crisis. Totally, I could completely stop the hanging Chad crisis. <laughs> Look at that. That is true. I think you could have stopped the hanging Chads. Mm-hmm. I could have. Oh my the god. Pregnant Chads. Oh god, all of the Chads. It's one of the like. There's certain little like oh micro generational things that I just. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like I know that the other generations have had stupid micro generational things, but yeah. I feel like there are no stupider micro generational things than the shit that happened from they're like s- they're so like think niches just keep getting smaller and smaller Ugh. and smaller. Like it, as as you said online, like the distance you would have to travel mm-hmm. of explaining so many things yeah. to get your dad to understand why there are two emu handlers that we should tick sides with one over the other on the internet yeah god i need a season three. Oh god absolutely well so i hope yellowstone crowd out there i hope you are tuning in for la brea because we need you more than we need anyone absolutely again i mean i was i i tweeted the other day about how like i don't want any more um like we talked to seven trump voters in a diner i want mm-hmm. i don't want any more of those profiles what i want is profiles of we talked to seven bob hart's abishola watchers in a diner. <laughs> because <laughs> That yeah. show is still on the air, and people are still watching. Bob Hart's Abishola is still on the air. I'm pretty sure it's because like on the I've air. heard great things about it. I've heard actually really lovely things about Bob Hart's Abishola. I didn't realize it was still existing. It is. Let me just check right this second because uh, if so, yeah, great news, great way to go, Bob Hart's Abishola. That's fantastic. On to season three, amazing. Happening. But I'm it's one of those for things, everybody. I don't know a single person who watches that show. Nope. I have never seen anyone on my timeline of Twitter talk about that show. There is. It the only thing I know about that show is that it has uh, just a, a, a ridiculous title, but that it like generated interest around that when it came out. And then there were reviews that were like, guys, actually, Bob Hart's Abishol is a really good show. Yeah, I couldn't but get it, past the like forcible stalking part of it. That was supposed to be charming. Mm, so to, no. to even like enter into that point. We love but yeah, that it's misogynist trope. I, I feel like I mean, it's in the same way. It's like a, it's got the the Chuck Lorre sort of just like completely. Hey, we're making another sitcom. Yeah. Hey. And and then it just will run indefinitely. It will just run. Yeah, these people will be working. They'll be getting paid. That's great news. Yeah, but it, again, and it, I don't we know. Need it for La Brea, I don't know a single person who watches it. So I just need to know who those people are. And likewise, look, La Brea, you and I 
And now our upcoming guests for next week, which we're about to tease, are the only and the only people I've ever spoken to who watch the show. Yeah. And so obviously should, like our listeners out there. But the point being that like, I've never run into a person on the street who's like, yeah, La Brea, love La Brea. Nope. I need to, I need, where are their New York Times profiles is my question. <laughs> we are the New York Times profile. The, that's true. That is true. <laughs> We're the sole online presence of La Brea and I'm proud to be it. <laughs> but yeah, next week is a fun one. So next week, guys, we got uh, a guest and we got a movie that Honestly, I wasn't sure we were going to ever cover on the show. Because of your fear of aliens? Because of my fear of aliens. Yeah. It is War of the Worlds. And we've yeah. got Margot Donahue, writer, podcaster, uh, will be joining us to talk about War of the Worlds, the 20, the 2009, five, five, 2005 five. Uh, version, not the classic version. Uh, but I would argue the classic version. I it has a lot of it has ripples this this movie I think mm -hmm. it like I think it has a long tail of be, sneakily being um one of the more like uniting sort of alien movies of the 21st yeah. century even though like when it came out like it made a good money but it it wasn't like wow Steven Spielberg's done it again this yeah. movie wasn't like overwhelmingly well reviewed it wasn't overwhelmingly successful but I think it really holds up fantastically well yeah um I, and I liked it. I like it more as I have watched it removed from when it came out. Cause I too remember watching it when it came out being like, I'm kind of middling on like, it looked amazing, but I, I was kind of half, I had sort of like middling feelings on the whole thing. But now as I watch it, I'm like, Oh, this is excellent. This yeah. is excellent. I, I think I love this movie. Yeah. It's, and we get into how it at the time didn't really feel like it had an impact, but the, yeah. we talk about all that stuff. We get, have a great conversation about Spielberg things. We really like, get, we really go into Steven Spielberg. Yeah. We talk a lot about Steven Spielberg. It's a, it is a fun episode. I'm really excited for us to have this. So next week will be war of the worlds. And uh, that is of course, streamable all over the place. So yes. that's an easy one to find. Um, but in the meantime, Jordan, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jorcru, J-O-R-C-R-U. Uh, you can find me on the Feeling Scene Pod weekly, interviewing wonderful guests. Um, a friend of this show will be coming up on it very soon, which is always mm -hmm. fun. He's a VIP. Yeah, you'll you'll know him when you hear him. Can't imagine who that could be. I can't imagine who that could be. Uh, and then there are new episodes of the Ots Tyrion podcast coming out. We have recently covered in a two part. It's a two part spectacular, Jason X, and then we are rolling out another two part episode on the new Halloween ends. Uh, so we're doing, we're doing classics, we're doing current and we're having a good time. And then you can go back and listen to the whole movie podcast. If you like a simple favor, uh, the neon demon or robot cinema. Perfect. And then of course we're, um, I'm Amanda Smith says on Twitter. And then we've got disaster girl, disaster underscore pod, uh, on Twitter. We're disaster girls pod at gmail.com. If you haven't already, please take a couple minutes to rate and review us on all of the relevant apps and things. Yes, please. And yeah, we'll be back next week for War of the Worlds with Margot Donahue. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye.